2000, the official zone of the last comedy website, 1900hotdog.com. I'm Sean Baby from the internet, and like I am every Wednesday, I'm here with Robert Brockway from the Forbidden Swamps of Tor. I'm Robert Brockway. Here's a Brockway fact. I once played chicken with a train and won. No follow-up <sighs> questions, but if God you're cool, it. you don't need any. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, because it would have been in the news somewhere. We should be able to Google t- train derailment. Around the Portland or wherever, whatever era of Brockway's living. Be cool, though. Be chill about it. <laughs> right, right. Super cool. Googling train accidents in my area. Uh, that was the voice of best-selling novelist and professional podcast guest, author of Zoe Punches the Future in the Dick and the upcoming If This Book Exists, You're in the Wrong Dimension, Jason Parton! Is this the first episode I've done since I've had a different book to promote? Maybe because I, for the entire existence of the dog zone, I only was promoting Zoe punches the future and the dick. Wait, you have a new book coming out? (laughs) Wait a second. Let's hear more about this. For pre-order called, it's almost what Sean said. It's called, if this book exists, you're in the wrong universe. Oh, Uh, I said dimension. It's almost almost what you said. Literally the same thing. Uh, but, but if you're Googling the book, it's important to have the exact words, which is all you yeah. need to do. Go to any, any book bookseller. It is the next book in the John Dies at the End series. If you've only seen the movie, uh, which is now on HBO Max, you will not be any more or less confused if you read the previous books in the series or if you just jump in with this one. They They all are equally confusing and they all kind of start fresh. So... That's the next I think, one. Um, and then I will be promoting it for the next two years <laughs> before yeah. I have a different book to promote. So get, get used, used to, to it. it. 104 Dog Zone 9000s. Uh, That's how I measure time now. Your, uh, the film made off your first book, John Dies at the End, is my second favorite Paul Giamatti movie after, of course, duets. <laughs> I mean, it's it's Jason's second favorite now, too. Like, you, the problem is just ha- that you haven't seen duets yet, if, if it's not your favorite Paul yeah, Giamatti. Yeah, duets movie. is so good. Uh, we talked about this in the podcast before, but basically he goes on a seven-day karaoke bender and pulls a gun on every single character starting 20 minutes in the movie to the end. Well, now, hold on. And, uh, was this not the very first episode of The Dog Zone, or is it just the first one that I shit. was on? It was the first one you were on. I'm not sure oh. it was the very first episode. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, it's the first episode. It's when we really found our voice, and it's duets starring Paul Giamatti. Like, was that not the first episode where somebody did a Dennis Miller impression, or was that later? Because I don't yeah, feel like the show began until that. Right. That's our spiritual that's... beginning, for sure. You know what? I'm going to go back, and I'm just going to delete all of the episodes before that. <laughs> Please. Just go in and take all the ones where we don't do Dennis Miller and just, like, delete them. Oh, it would just be those first, like, three. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. Speaking of which, there's a little bit of housekeeping I need to do before we get into the, the subject of the show. Uh, several episodes ago, it's and I know not every listener listens to every single episode. Maybe they pick and choose. But the this show covered the Arnold Schwarzenegger weightlifting documentary, Pumping Iron, mm-hmm. of from course. the year 1977. 77 we got the or, Pulitzer. We got the podcast Pulitzer for that, if I recall. Is that right, Robert? Uh, yeah, yeah. The oh. the putty. 
um, and in that, if those of you did not listen to it, it, it the Pumping Iron, the documentary, introduced Arnold Schwarzenegger to America and basically made him famous because he comes off as such a compelling figure. And the most famous moment in that documentary, which I had heard of even before I'd ever heard of the documentary itself, is a soundbite in which Arnold Schwarzenegger, the bodybuilder in that era, claims that lifting weights gives him the feeling of an orgasm. Uh, I'm sorry, can you, it should, we can pause while you look it up, but uh, the, the listeners are going to need to hear that soundbite, uh, otherwise they'll just be lost. And I know that's like kind of your specialty that you do on podcasts is you, you do these things to keep new listeners from being lost. So would you mind just, uh, just giving us that full quote real quick? Are you asking you if Sean has it on his soundboard, or are you asking me to read off the? No, quote? I'm asking. I'm asking you specifically to find that quote and and read. Sure, it let's see if I can find the quote. Oh, here it is. Here it is in the front of my mind at all times. <laughs> the greatest feeling you can get in the gym, or the most satisfying feeling you can get in the gym, is the pump. It feels fantastic. It's as satisfying to me as coming is. You know, as in having sex with a woman and coming. <laughs> So can you believe how much I am in heaven? I am like getting the feeling of coming in the gym. I'm getting the feeling of coming at home. I, I'm getting the feeling of coming backstage when I pump up, when I pose out in front of 5,000 people, I get the same feeling. So I'm coming day or night. It's terrific, right? So you know I'm in heaven. Now, I did not do that in the Arnold Schwarzenegger voice because I cannot do an Arnold Schwarzenegger voice. But you did it in the spirit of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is because ever since I listened to that episode and it brought this quote to mind... As anyone who knows me knows, I cannot do any daily activity without hearing in my head a version of this, of where I'm at the grocery store, and it's like, I am getting the feeling of coming in the produce section. I'm getting the feeling of coming in in the meat. I'm getting the feeling of, of coming when I'm trying to find tomatoes. It, it, do the, it's uh, terrific. People Can in your you life appreciate this? How much I'm in heaven? <laughs> if, if, okay. oh, go ahead. I was just saying, you you have to do the whole bit every time, which I appreciate. Do, do the people in your life appreciate it, though? Like, Strangely, no. I, I don't feel like they do. No. And I I don't appreciate it, what my own mind is doing to me, because it's. I, I did write down, like, I, I pasted in the speech here. But I was, if I do it from memory, I'm only off by, like, two words. Because I, okay. I do this all the time. And in the 1-900-Hot-Dog employee Slack, which, again, I should not have access to. <laughs> it's it's a lot of people doing work stuff and like trading back, you know, updating graphics and stuff. And Sean saying like, oh, does this does this look good? I've been you know, I've worked on the the shading here, and then it's it's me coming and saying, you know, when I'm doing Photoshop, it, uh, you know, the, the best feeling you can get is when you it's what we call the pump. It's when you feel the blood <laughs> rushing into your mouse hand, and it's it feels fantastic. It's as satisfying as as coming with. And then everyone has to humor me for a few minutes before getting back to the work that that pays their their mortgage. Whereas uh, I'm just hanging. I mean, around. this is why we gave you access, though. <laughs> mm -hmm. like the this, day I don't love that. I'm quitting. Yeah. So I'll know that joy is gone. This is a problem because of all of the phrases or catchphrases that you can have in like a social group. Because we all had this in high school. You had something you all heard in a movie, and you would just say to each other in the hallway. The full Arnold Schwarzenegger, I am coming day or night speech is not ideal for someone who is going to be 50 years old, not not too many years from now. Like, this is not a place in my life where I can just launch into the, I am, you know, can you believe how much I am in heaven? I am coming day or night. When 
because that's kind of like the, if taken out of context could in theory get you in get you into trouble in this in this modern era well this uh PC this whole thing era. came about because we were doing the conan podcast with lydia and sean just started going into that quote in the arnold schwarzenegger voice <laughs> and she was just like what the fuck and, we, and he started to so move good. on and i had she to be like no, like no 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 fuck no stop why did you say that <laughs> like no 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 but no don't 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 freak out it's it's okay it's a quote <laughs> and then we had to be like wait a minute this comes from a yeah. documentary you've never heard of which means you don't really know who arnold schwarzenegger is mm-hmm. allow us to teach you yes because lydia it, for the full context only knew Arnold as this kindly uncle or grandfather figure, you know, the man who was famous in his sixties and, and doing like these kind of self-effacing action roles. She did not know psychopath Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, from Mr. <laughs> yeah, Universe, Universe era. Everybody uh, younger than us basically only knows Arnold Schwarzenegger as like cuddly muscle uncle. And we're like, yeah, he was the Republican governor, but he learned his lesson. You know, he learned better. And they don't—they don't know that he was maybe the first reality TV villain, and he was beautiful at it. So good, yeah, the best, a legend. What are we uh, talking about today? Uh, we are talking about uh, inexplicable new streaming shows that were uh, clearly made in the wrong decade. Uh, it doesn't mean they're bad. Mine is extremely bad. Oh, mine's uh, bad. Yeah, oh, well, yours is bad. <laughs> Uh, Jason's isn't too bad. Uh, just that they're the, these are the kind of shows that they really don't exist anymore and they kind of shouldn't outside of their time period. Like they would have mm. killed in the 80s, the 90s, even the early aughts. But now they're somewhat unnecessary or maybe just late to the game. And because of that, they are, I think, largely glossed over, if not completely ignored. I know the one I brought is directly canceled. Oh. Uh, the one I brought is, um, God, it, it it must be canceled by now. I, I mean, that, that hit with just it such a It did just come out. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that was very well put, and and thank you for describing it. Um, I mean, sometimes Netflix won't wait before canceling these. Like, Cowboy Bebop had been up for, like, 36 hours when Netflix was like, yeah, we're not doing any more of that. <laughs> yeah. no one, they didn't no even wait to this. see if anybody was watching it. They were just like... <laughs> <laughs> that's not one of the shows it's just this was a bad move of, yeah sometimes they're very quick to pull the plug if it's if it's like oh this is offensive to the senses i, I feel like i this. feel like the goodwill on that like got used up immediately i remember the the trailer came out for that and people were like i love this like they, the trailer they really tried to recreate the cartoon and then the show came out and everyone's like wait no the things i liked about the cartoon are are being betrayed i don't know i don't like anime i have no idea what it was, but it see, it wasn't even a feeling of betrayal so much as it was a bad show. Oh, well, there's it's, it's fine with me if you're as liberal as you want in any adaptation, but it was just it was a bad show. I, I watched the entire thing and I was entertained, but not for the reasons I should have been. <laughs> I think I think sometimes a Netflix show will come out, and I have a feeling they're so compartmentalized that maybe when it appears on Netflix is the first time some other people on Netflix have seen it. And so, like, Cowboy Bebop comes out, and they're like, what the fuck is this? What the fuck? Do you spend how much money on this? No, we're not doing this again. <laughs> fuck this. Take it off! Uh, do you want to take these in order of era, like the era that they should have been made in? I think that's a good idea. Sure. 
Uh, and that means we Which have to have a me. fight in advance about it. <laughs> okay. Well, there's no we reason to start with Jason's. Well, my, no my argument that Reacher was that Reacher on Amazon Prime was an '80s action show. That I think that's tried, perfectly accurate. And they've tried to make in the modern era. So you go first. Okay. First of all, before we even begin, we are not going to do the immature joke to imply that there's anything sexual or like uh, gay about the name Jack Reacher. Uh, I'm going to do one. Can I do one right right off the bat and just get it out of the way? You get one and then we have to move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, at one point, uh, they're trying, they have him locked up and they're looking him up and she Googles the name Jack Reacher and it's like, nothing turns up. There's nothing about this guy. And really, you, you put the words Jack Reacher into the internet and you didn't get anything back. It's, it's almost the perfect name to have because you will get buried in other yeah. results. That's it. That was my show. It was tasteful. Yeah. I, this is, I just now got that his name is silly. Uh, yeah. His, his name is Close Up Butthole Pick. <laughs> <laughs> There's but nothing I, on this guy. I've looked. I looked him up. He has a ghost online. There's no results. <laughs> I've seen every butthole in human history. I mean, I, I went back into the 1500s. There's nothing. <laughs> okay. So, Reacher, for those of you who don't have Amazon Prime, because this is always the problem with doing any kind of an episode about streaming, which is that there's no universal show now. There's no Seinfeld. Like, even Game of Thrones, you would run into people like, well, I don't have HBO. Because you don't get that the audience of Game of Thrones is literally 10% of Seinfeld. Reacher is the biggest hit in Amazon Prime's history, according to them. You can never believe a streaming service when they say this. Really? They don't release the public data, but they, yeah, this is their biggest hit so far. People think that it is very much a show for the dads, and yeah. I think that's probably accurate. Yeah. But for those of you who don't use Prime or don't watch video on Prime, the Jack Reacher movies with Tom Cruise, there were two of them, I think. Um, we're based on a very popular book series, and then this show is a streaming ser- a streaming show based on the books. There's an important difference, and this is something when Tom Cruise was cast as Jack Reacher, a lot of fans complained because in the books, Jack Reacher's entire personality is that he is a giant. Not just that he's a big, burly guy. He's huge. He towers over people. He's he's just this enormous, muscular dude with giant hands and a giant head. And he could just crush people like a grape. And so when they cast Tom Cruise, it's like, well, I don't I don't buy Tom Cruise as being giant. And they didn't try to put him on stilts or anything. They didn't. No, like I didn't the see the movies. But yeah, did they acknowledge that at all? Or yeah, did they everybody didn't like just treat him like he was huge? The forced perspective thing, like in The Lord of the Rings, where they made... <laughs> Elijah Wood appear to be small. They didn't. Well, they all didn't the try to do. Co-stars were that. eight years old, and that helped. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's always Tom Cruise talking to actors and his children in wigs, shot from behind. <laughs> uh, but no, they just recasted the character as a normal sized guy. But this show on Amazon is more true to the character in the books, and that he is a giant muscle man. That I think he's canonically six five or something like that. But in the show, he's. Like they intentionally make it so he's a foot taller than everybody. Mm-hmm. And it is the format of the show and the premise of the show is something that there was a ton of in the 80s, which is a big, muscular, superhuman action guy who doesn't have like an official job. 
Right. Like the A team didn't work for an agency. Like MacGyver worked for like this. He, he didn't work for a government agency. It was this fictional like private group. Night Rider Corporation. Yeah, Night Rider didn't work for. Like these eighties vigilantes, there was nothing realistic or grounded whatsoever. They just wandered around, and it wasn't even always clear like what they did for money. They just ran around and helped people. Like the A team, they just went around and just people mm-hmm. that were in trouble, they would help them. He's a and, town tamer. Yeah, well, that's because they're basically Westerns. It's it's the plots that made sense as Westerns because like in, in this series, Jack Reacher wanders upon this small town looking into the disappearance of his brother. And I would like to out- say this is exactly, and I mean exactly, the, the plot of every single episode of the Incredible Hulk series yeah, in the 1980s. Absolutely. Where like a big angry loner wanders into a small town that is not what it seems. It's run by... Some sort of huge corporation with a secret and somebody he loves turns up dead. That's every episode of the Incredible yeah. Hulk series. Only a he's just always the Incredible Hulk. Or it's under the thumb of some evil, like if it was a Western, it'd be some evil landowner or, or a corrupt yeah. sheriff. And in Jack Reacher, there it's the same deal. There's some local rich guy. All the cops are on his payroll. And it made sense in the Old West because there was no like federal government authority out in the territories to help you. You were just like the town was on its own. And so only the wandering stranger could help. And then, but this is Jack Reacher takes place in modern day. So it's a little bit weird. It's it kind of ha- is this weird for the same reason that Roadhouse was weird. And that again, it was a Western that made no sense. It's like if, if in reality there was one corrupt guy that just ran this town, there's all sorts of federal agencies you could report into. Like there's other, you know, you could go to the media, you could expose them on social media. Like there's all sorts of ways you could try to approach it. But or if in, you could find them, you could hire the A team. The A team, yeah. But in the universe of these shows, it's just taken that only, this problem can only be solved by the Incredible Hulk or this talking car or this giant muscular dude. Man, if only we had a rogue giant. Just a- <laughs> Just who, a shiftless giant does no not, anchor. You know, and who who will have to kill 40 or 50 people. Obviously, the, those action TV shows, they would avoid the murder usually. Um, but in, in the modern streaming service, he's straight up going to murder dozens of people to, to solve this problem. Right. I, I remember this guy from uh, Smallville, uh, Alan Richson. Uh, I remember watching it because... Uh, Back then, it was uh, superheroes on TV was like a really special occasion. And I'd um, since given up on Smallville, but then they started introducing a whole Justice League. And uh, so I turned it on to see like the whole Justice League. And they had a cyborg and an Aquaman. And that's who Alan Richardson was. He was Aquaman. And uh, he was Aquaman? He was Aquaman. That's a weird choice. Yeah. And he was even back then, like just a really distracting amount of beef. And there was a line where Cyborg was like, oh my God, put on a shirt. Because he was just like, aggressively shirtless and then he goes uh, as aquaman he gets all cute and he says you're lucky i wore pants and that is the only enduring memory i have of the tv show smallville is aquaman like being real sassy about how like his dick's not hanging out uh so anyway that's how he got to start as an actor i like that man as a giant you are really confined to roles about giants like you just even you can't not acknowledge it you know if you put him in a show the plot point has to be like holy shit what is this guy is he like he doesn't look like you blew up a normal guy like really huge guys they don't look like normal guys got really big they got unique big boy face like he's he's very handsome 
but he looks like a model from a race of giants, not like a handsome guy who was also big. Like, yeah, like if you shrank for a human, yeah, if you shrank Shaq down to like a human size, he would just look like a tiny ogre. Like it's kind of the same thing. Yeah, his shoulders, his chest, like everything. Now, this this is exactly my point because the one thing that is enjoyable to me about Reacher, which again I think is a case where it would have been everybody's favorite show in 1987. Yeah, but where there was this period in the 80s in the Stallone era, the Schwarzenegger era, where it was kind of decided, and I don't know the psychology behind it, if it was a Cold War thing or what, but it was like the heroes are huge and strong and the evil people are small and scrawny and kind of greasy. And then we're going to watch the huge guy just beat the crap out of the small evil guys. Uh, yeah, they, they, gotta, of film. they gotta cheat and make some weasel moves. It's the yeah, they, they fight chance. dirty or dishonest. And there's this weird like ethos ethos of right, like the strong are automatically good and the, the small and weak are automatically devious or something. Yeah. And I don't know if it was this thing where it's like, well, America is clearly now the bully on the world stage, so we have to readjust our our thinking where it's now fine to watch to watch, you know, Stallone's Cobra just beat the crap out of these much smaller people who have no chance, and we're rooting for the giant man to to bully them, and to we're kind of rooting for the bully, right? Because I only look, I only watched this first episode of Reacher in in preparation for the podcast, and uh, he did fight a bunch of people, and so far every single person he fought was like tops five nine and maybe a hundred and fifty pounds, and yeah. Like, it specifically has my favorite trope in all of fiction, which is the giant man where continually, it actually happens, I think, twice, if not three times in this episode alone. Three times the, in the first episode. Yeah. Over the course of the series of Reacher, it happens 30 or 40 times where Reacher, who again is visibly a giant, you, you would know he was a giant from six blocks away. Yeah, even if he's, you wouldn't assume he's just farther away than you thought. Like, like I was saying, he just, there's a structure to the man that is like, oh, that's an ogre. And some normal sized scumbag will get up in his face and be like, you know, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and having to, and they're saying this like into his chest. <laughs> like they're having to peer up at him like a child asking you for a, <laughs> his allowance. And you're saying, what are you going to do about it? Because, and this is where in the movies, it actually makes sense casting Tom Cruise because in that exact, there's a scene in this first season, they must have based it off the same book because there's a scene in this first season that's identical to one of the, the Reacher movies. It's actually in the trailer where he's like in a parking lot and a bunch of dudes come up to him and they're like, they're not going to let him get to his car. And then in the movie, Tom Cruise says, they're like, you know, hey, buddy, you know, it's and they're menacing him in a generic way that a, a gang of scrawny youths would. And then he's like, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Four of you are going to have broken arms. And the, the fifth right. guy is like, well, what, why not all five? He's like, because one of you needs to drive you to the hospital. It's great coming from Tom Cruise, because in real life, Tom Cruise is only like four foot ten. 
So there, it makes sense because because right. he looks like somebody you would bully. He looks like a rich, pretty, you know, dude who you know. Oh, we're going to take his wallet. He's probably got an expensive watch. And I'm then when take he, his Tesla. He looks like a Tesla driver. Yeah, and then when he beats the crap out of, the, out of you, it's like, oh, this guy is trained. You know, he's trained ex-military, whatever. And then that's that makes sense in the context. It makes so much more sense in the original casting in the book and from the from the book that you now see. Where a few episodes from now, this gigantic, terrifying monster of a man is going to be menaced by these 19-year-old street hoods. They're like, hey, where are you going, the fancy giant? You know, what what, what are you going to do about it? And then he's, when he tells them he's going to break all their arms and they don't just walk away, yeah. it becomes unintentionally hilarious. So like here, the first time we see it, I think is about 30 minutes into the episode where he goes into jail. No, the, you see the, it right off. I noticed it right off because he like wanders into a parking lot and this guy that is, again, like probably five foot six and like not built at all. He's he's skinny in just a skinny guy way. And he's like yelling at his girlfriend or something. And Richard looks at him. He's like, what the fuck's your problem? Like, oh, right. no, dude, you would not like you, this guy does not have to know anything about fighting. And we've right. proven this by like professional wrestling. His move can be like lift you up and throw you away like he garbage. He thinks uh, better of it. He does think like, better of it, but like he sees the guy and is immediately like, I'll kill this guy. And only when he gives him a tough guy look, he's like, whoa, maybe really like <laughs> maybe the ogre is strong. Yeah. <laughs> I liked it because he went from like, I'm going to fuck you up to like, all right, uh, I shouldn't do this to like. I'm going to turn my whole life around. Like, I was like, oh, this is kind of a funny way to present like the main character of a show. But they build it off but, of his tough yeah, guy. But stare. then they never stick to that. Cause that one, I'm like, okay, this guy's so tough that he will like change, scare people into not being jerks. And then they never do it again for yeah. the rest of the show. Every single person has full confidence. They could fuck him up if it gets physical. Even the, the cop, the nerd cop, the, like the, the investigator is like, Oh, fuck you up. Jack Reacher. <laughs> Like, yeah, uh, and he's just like bald. He's not like a super cop. He's just a balding kind of pudgy. Yeah, just big guy. Like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fight a giant. There is um the one guy in the prison like gets talked out of the cavity search. He's like, all right, I'm gonna search up your butt. And Jack Reacher's like, no, you're not. And instead of saying I'm gonna kill you, he's like, you know, these. These doctrines claim you cannot. He gives him like this long fucking like academic speech on how he can't legally search his butt. And then he says, the only thing up my ass right now is you. And uh, I thought that was he, he sort of ended it with a physical threat. Now that I think about yeah, it. Yeah, he does kind of imply that he's going to kill him with his ass somehow. Yeah. <laughs> like, like if you go in my ass, you won't be coming back out, which like I, I guess in the moment is a terrifying thing to hear. But then you got to just be haunted by that later. Like that guy goes home. <laughs> After work, and he's like, wait a minute. What the fuck? Oh, man. Was he going to kill me with his... I kind of... I need to know now. My all-time um, favorite example of this that I, I think I brought it before, but this is... I think this isn't even a cracked article. It, the all-time, like, platonic ideal of this scene is from the opening scenes of Terminator. Oh, to, yeah. To, yeah, speaking of Ronald Schwarzenegger. Sure where the Terminator, this is the first film, you know, he comes back into the, into the past and the, the, the time machine sends you back nude for some reason, even though he's a, a robot. So it's, it's like, if you can send back robot parts, why can't you send back 
clothes. Just send the coat, the clothes covered in flesh. Cover yeah. them in like a thin <laughs> yeah. layer of flesh and he can just pull them out. But either way, it, it's he shows up like on the streets of L.A. in the middle of the night and he wanders off to go find weapons, clothing, everything he needs. And these two teenage street punks, I don't know how old Bill Paxton was at the time. I'm calling it, he looked very young. <laughs> these two scrawny teenagers see, from their point of view, it's the middle of the night. Literally, the, scientifically, the most muscular man in the world. Uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was declared <laughs> by true. the people in charge of judging this to be the most muscular man on earth, completely <laughs> naked, walking the streets with this completely just dead look on his face. Right. It is literally the scariest thing you could possibly, <laughs> you could possibly see. Worst There's nothing scary. I would rather see like a clown in the middle of the night and be like, oh yeah. You I, I would rather see like that robot uh, that he becomes with his skin off <laughs> walking, For sure. coming toward me than this because you would immediately think, oh, this guy's so high out of his mind. He like stripped off his clothes because he was getting overheated. Like whatever. Yeah, he's he, going to, he's going to wear me as clothing. Yeah. And he doesn't know where he is, but these in the movie, as you those of you who have seen the movie, of course, know they go up and start like bullying him, like ha ha ha, you know, what are you doing walking around naked in the street? Ha. It's like, my god, I don't know how many of my friends I would have to have with me as backup before I would confront that man. Honestly, even if I had like 50 trained fighters with me, if this giant nude man picked me out of the crowd and decided to come after me and like sodomize me to death. There's nothing they could do to stop it before he did it. Like it would take a lot of them to bring him down to murder you with his ass somehow. Yes. Yeah. You you would, you would walk the other direction, even if it meant not going home that night to just make sure you avoided the part of town where you saw this guy. (laughs) Oh no, this is muscle town. So I I just know going into that fist fight, you could not avoid touching the strange man's penis. This is, I think the problem. Like, oh, even if you have 50 friends and you win the fight, you problem. know all of them. <laughs> or the, or the, uh, the nice thing. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, him yeah, him being naked is makes it so much worse. That doesn't make it more likely I would bully him. It's yeah. like I would tell the story later to people. I'd be like, oh, yeah, we saw this guy, this huge muscle guy walking around naked. Who knows what his deal was? But you would not with your friends be like, oh, let's go, let's go mess with this guy. What's the worst that can happen? It's like, I, I literally can't imagine what's the worst that can happen. This guy's like high on bat salts and just wandering the streets nude. And he's the strongest man who's ever lived. I, I, I can't fathom. There are fairy tales specifically warning it's, you about this scenario his, that we have been telling for hundreds of years. His eyes are like glowing red. <laughs> like I, He's on that's something the, that makes his eyes glow red. You know, like that's... This town in Jack Reacher is just filled with people like that. That's the entire population of the town. That's why I love it. It's the only reason I watched the entire is just watching one guy after another. It's like, you know, ah, let's, what's, what's this silly fancy boy from outside of town doing here with his gigantic muscles towering over me. And you do bringing city muscles in here. After that first episode, he's got like cuts on his face and stuff where he's clearly just been in another fight. So it's not like he's, some sort of, you know, delicate flower who only likes to lift weights for the beach. He's also somebody who who fights a lot and uh, apparently wins. <laughs> it's yeah, it's he's great. usually covered in other people's blood. Yeah. He's also um like a dick. Like it's kind of weird for a main character in a show to be such a pedantic dick. Like he's like 
um, technically midnight is this morning, not last night. Like he's just an asshole to everyone he talks to. And, right, because uh, you can get away with it. You never, well, sure. you never have to learn not to do that if you're it's, six it's, foot five and eight hundred pounds. Sure, I, I guess, I guess that's a good point. I just thought they should make him likable since he's the, the the main character of a TV show. Uh, no, see again, you're thinking in 2022 terms. Holy shit, you're right. Yeah, not if, in you're thinking in the 80s. Terms. In 1980s yeah. terms, when they wanted you to like Detective Cobretti. They showed you, like, first he would bully some minorities because they took his parking spot, even though you can't reserve spots along the street. Like, that's not his spot. That's public parking. And he bullied yeah. some Latino guys for parking in his favorite spot instead of just finding another one. And that's that's was to, like, endear you to him. And there was a scene, I don't know if you've, you've watched the movie, but he goes to eat a slice of pizza. <laughs> And he actually cuts it apart with a pair of scissors of like garden shears for, for some reason. Like an asshole. Plays by his own rules, this guy. No well, no, no pizza rules for Cobretti. But the, the idea that this guy was always kind of a dick. And, you know, the same thing with like Schwarzenegger and Commando. Like his way of investigating his disappearance of his daughter or whatever. They, the whole deal was like these guys are so huge. They they can do whatever they want. Like that's what, you know, it's the whole thing with them not working for anybody. It's like, it's they like the, know. the millionaire logic. Like I'm not a millionaire, but you get, you can't tax my precious millionaires because what if I am someday? Like I'm not a huge monster of a man, but you can't, but if I was, but if I, I was, I should dick. be able to do whatever I want. <laughs> but I also, yeah, I think you're right. Think if that character existed today, there'd be a lot of, there's so much now with these characters have to be haunted you know, we've got another Batman and Robert Patrick, mm-hmm. and he's very, uh, uh, from the trailer and the ad materials, it looks like he's very brooding and haunted by his past or whatever. And that was not yeah, the I 80s. heard his uh, parents died. I think his parents died. <laughs> well, I've not seen the movie. Don't spoil it. I don't know what happens to his parents. I've not. I've, I've not. I, I, you know, I don't think they get into it. <laughs> um, that somebody's, but this is probably a, a very old joke, but somebody pointed out that now based on the age of Robert Patrick, that his parents would have been murdered in the theater in around 2001. So they could have been leaving <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> when we're gunned down in the alley. It was a very different era oh, for TV. I'm Shrek man. But anyway, I, knew I had to become the Shrek. Uh, the eighties was the era of the giant muscular hero who was not haunted. They were, were either very glib or just very, you know, because this is people look back and say, well, how did we ever enjoy Steven Seagal? And it's like, well, he was coming from the tail end of that 80s era of mm-hmm. the big bad dick or glib or whatever. But these were not brooding, haunted self. They, they didn't have self-doubt. Right. And that's Maybe Reacher. He, Reacher does not like that's his whole deal. Is he, he does not. He loves being huge. He loves taunting the people he's about to beat up. He's never really in danger. You don't you're never he's never outmatched in any fight. The, the whole joy mm-hmm. of watching him get into a fight is seeing him just give these smaller guys what they deserve. I mean, I think that is his catchphrase. He keeps shouting like after a fight. I love being huge. <laughs> <laughs> but he says he's six five, which I, I guess, I mean, it's pretty big. But that's not like Andre the Giant big. Like okay, how tall are you? Uh, I'm six three. So, <laughs> so <laughs> nobody up. looks at me like, "What the fuck are you?" I, I look I'm, at you like that. that. Said, I'm six one. There, there's something about him where he is just 
a distracting amount of beef. Okay. There's something I'm about I'm telling him you where... right now, like a five foot nine, 140 pound, pound man, like he looks at you coming in and he does not think, I'm going to go fight that guy. I, you're right. It doesn't ever happen. I do not live a Jack Reacher life. I've never like had to explain and to a small least... man, no, no, you don't, you don't want a fist fight. So he's only two inches taller than you. And you're like, I don't know. I guess that's not that big. <laughs> well, I, he's like, can't fit on beds. And I mean, I, I've had some discomfort in plane seats and stuff like that, but I just feel like they could have bumped him up a little higher, right? That, that's, that's a really, like, that's a point guard. If you're six, five, you're like the shortest guy on an NBA team. Which, I can again, tell is you a very tall group. If anyone Googles reacher, Amazon and you look at screen grabs, they are intentionally putting him in scenes either with actors who are shorter or That's they're true. they're putting yeah. him in risers to make he him. He looks taller. enormous. It's true. He looks they, absolutely tall. They intentionally stage the scenes to make him tower over people. But it, they just film everything from down low, like like you're a child looking up at him. But he's also, <laughs> as Sean said, he's also smarter than everyone in the show. He's like an expert detective yeah. and he's he, a Mary he's, Sue. He just he's, knows everything. He's in just a, a dude's Mary Sue. In like a bad writer way. Like, like he makes these wild Super detective Frankenstein here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's he he's part Frankenstein, part Sherlock Holmes. And uh, he's never wrong, even, even when the guesses are just like, oh, you're looking for three shooters because one guy shot him. So you need that guy. And there's no brass. That means he's a pro. And then someone stomped the body to death. So you're looking for a psychopath. That's not the first guy. Cause that first guy, remember he was like super pro, right? And Each guy can be one thing on his body. And so like, you're looking for a third guy who loves putting cardboard on bodies. Cause the, <laughs> the psychopath wouldn't do that. And the pro guy, he'd have like a nice body blanket. And so like, and it's dumb. That's dumb as shit. But like, of course it comes true. Cause he's, he's, you know, infallible. And also even black people like him, all the black people like him. <laughs> Because he's the one white guy that knows more about the blues than they do. And oh they God. love that. That was some 80s shit. They that was some 80s that. shit for sure. That was when I really came around to this idea of like, okay, <laughs> we haven't said that shit since the 80s for very good reason. Uh, uh, I really liked, I, I want to say something sincere about the show. I really liked the fights. Like, I think they used his size and strength really well, but also like he fights, um, like he doesn't do traditional martial arts or even MMA. Like, someone really thought about how how to kill a man without like breaking your hand so it's like all headbutts and elbows and just like smashing people into things and uh it like one of these fights it's like that man looks like he wants that other person dead which is something you don't see a lot like even in john wick you're like oh he's doing jujitsu or you know krav maga in this scene but like jack reach is just like oh kill man with elbow strike <laughs> and you're like okay this is this is pretty scary to me yeah, I, I agree, and that actually stood out to me. Yes, this is where both people who notice good and bad fight choreography. Someday mm -hmm. we'll do a podcast episode about bad fight choreography we've seen and why we hated it. Right. Um, no, it's very brutal. And again, I know that that's the star of the show. And it, the show, the rating on Amazon Prime, it's like four point eight stars. Like everyone loves the show. I. It, it's not for me. It's I do agree. It's kind of for the dads. Although now that I think about it, that's you. I, that would be you. I'm 47 years old, and I keep thinking of myself as the younger generation that <laughs> these shows are not for. But how much longer? Oh, you're right. This show is for our dads. This show would have been so important in my household when I was like 12 years old. Yeah, 
This is de- this is for eighties dads. Like they're yeah. they're not. It's not for the dads anymore. This is for the grandpas. See, I I keep like sometimes oh, no. I think Somebody's of myself as like, as like a young novelist, like trying to find my way. And it's like, <laughs> I'm just trying to find my voice. And meanwhile, I'm getting stuff in the mail. It's like you're running out of time to think about retirement. <laughs> Do you have, you know, if you retired today, would you have enough to survive until you died? It's like, well, probably not. <laughs> I, yeah, I get um, grandmas in your area need free sex. And I'm like, how do, they, <laughs> how do they know I'm aging into this bracket? <laughs> I think that's more like a search results thing. Yeah, no, that's just my thing. That's when people are like, oh, this is disgusting. How dare you put this ad on this webpage? And people are like, oh, those are targeted ads about your search results. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. No, I'm 10 years away from being like, oh, I'm listening. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know how many more notes I have on this show. I just, I, uh, I, lo- I love that he walks around in this weird, like Frankenstein strut and every every extra like stares at him. Like they're like, who yeah, the fuck is awe. this gigantic guy? Just pure <laughs> awe at the ogre in town. I like that the the love interest who is I want to say like five foot even and a hundred pounds. Yeah, like, they got the smallest woman they could find. Immediately looks at him like, yeah, that instead of like that will ruin me in every direction. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll summit that mountain. Sure, no problem. I'm not intimidated by this at all. I, I don't. I don't want to spoil the show for a, a, anyone who is afraid of spoiling uh, plot plot points in Reacher. You may want to. I don't know. Put your hands over your ears for a couple minutes. I don't. I don't yeah, know what that's to a do. Good idea. I don't tell you to do. Um, but uh, yeah, he's interested to female police officer. And Brockway, I'm a little surprised if you only have seen the first episode because they actually are not love interests in the first episode. Oh. I'm not sure how you knew. Huh? How did were, you see that coming? They were. The, the world's hottest beat cop, female beat, beat police officer, uh, happens to be the one he runs into. Uh, but later, what's going to happen, and again, if you're want, not wanting to be spoiled in the show, and if you two guys don't want me to spoil it, I can just not say it. But they're going to get into a circumstance where they need to stay at a hotel, but there's only one room left. Oh, and oh, it wow. only has one bed. And she didn't really pack pajamas. So she has to mm. sleep in like a cropped tight t-shirt with no bra yeah. and, and panties. And, uh, and this leads to some sexual tension because, oh. um, and Reacher it around that time, his clothes get ruined in the course of, of a fight, I think due to blood. And then in order to get new clothes, he has to go into a goodwill donation bin and pull out some clothes to put on. Mm-hmm. Does he change in front of her? Yeah, he gets completely naked in front of you. I, I don't think I think okay. you missed the point where he went into a donation bin and found fitting clothes. Found fitting clothes for he the found giant. A, a yes. pants to fit him perfectly. Found like a centaur costume. Which I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I mean, it does explain this town. They're familiar with giants. They have a race of giants living among. Them. <laughs> like in, in reality, he would have to order clothing like specially from a farm supply store. Like I don't. There's, I bet it diffuses the sexual tension when you have to use like a trash bag as a condom. It's like, <laughs> all right, let's make love. But first I need to go find a trash bag. <laughs> and I, I, I'm just warning you, you will die from this. This will yes. be, this is how you exit the show. <laughs> that is, that is the darkest visual you've ever introduced. Uh. It's just it's just at the autopsy of them these experts standing over this woman. It's like I don't think this was a murder. I think 
<laughs> I think this was a consensual encounter with with the giant. <laughs> um, she flew too close to the sun. Do although have any suspects would have been a really interesting plot little little character thing they'd thrown in if they had shown Re- Reacher changing and if he had had just a tiny little dog. Yeah, I really like that. Like yeah, even smaller, really... not not proportional to like a smaller man, but even smaller than that. Yeah, is like it would explain the crankiness. <laughs> this is why, yeah, a tiny dong name is Jack Reacher, and that's why he learned to fight at <laughs> it's age. No, funny like, thing, like, it's a medical condition. They call it gorilla penis. Like twelve, <laughs> the larger he the man. He would get a laugh every time he took his pants off. Every sexual encounter begins with like a woman getting hold of herself, and then going, "Oh, thank God." Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, is, I really, I wrote a will. <laughs> yeah, I was ready. We can work with this. I mean, we'll, we'll still get this done, but like. This is good news and bad news. This is uh, to, to to any women listening. To this we we are aware that in reality women can accommodate many different sizes of genitalia. No. This is this is pure comedy sex. Yeah, believe me, in we're all honesty, I had no idea. I thought that they could just deal with very very small penises and nothing. I mean, then, jump, they, would, then they would. Let's die. cut this, Jamie. Um, one, one final point, the last note I had, because I know we've got other shows we have to get onto, and I've consumed, again, nearly an hour on my part. Um, it is the show uh, Peacemaker on HBO mm-hmm. Max that I liked a lot, the spinoff, the Suicide Squad spinoff that, again, I would assume is everyone has seen. But in reality, lots of people don't have HBO Max or HBO or know that Suicide Squad was a movie that they rebooted and then made this show with John Cena. Uh, I liked it a lot. I don't know if you guys did. It is fascinating because I watched them back to back. And Peacemaker is a parody of this genre of show from the 80s. Mm-hmm. Because Peacemaker is the comedy version of this character where he's giant and muscular and thinks he can solve all of his problems this way. Does not have a job, does not work for an agency. But that show mocks all of those tropes because the whole, like, you know, he like lives in a trailer park because he has no no job. And nobody and, likes the roving giant that kills everybody and doesn't understand why it's wrong. Right. And no one wants his help and no one wants him to do it. And he can't get them. And like his dad used to do it, but his dad's incredibly racist because it's like, yeah, that's who would do that in real life. That's who that's who would appoint themselves as the town vigilante is the most racist man in town who, yeah. you know, who would does not believe in due process or the system because it's all run by Jewish bankers or whatever his thing is. So it it is it was fascinating to watch the deconstruction of the the trope and then somebody attempting to do it sincerely. I watched them both like in the same week. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic how how sincere a version of Peacemaker this is. Brockway, have you seen Peacemaker? Yeah, I liked Peacemaker a lot. I get that it's it's the same kind of deal. I like that their love interest is the exact same woman, basically. Like you could not tell me those are different women. They're just tiny sassy blonde ladies that are immediately not afraid of the giant which i yeah. i guess and they're, again they're ass kickers and yeah but yeah uh, same show. here's a piece of trivia that listeners may not find interesting at all if so oh. that is why we do not do this show live and instead edit it that is the second most important reason why we do not do this show live <laughs> and, and in fact edit it uh, it is so that we don't, the things that we accidentally say that would trigger a worldwide boycott 
of both this show and the entire platform do not make it into the show. Um, in the show Peacemaker, the wanky cop who later gets uh, turned into, gets, spoiler, gets, gets I think gets turned into an alien or, or whatever, uh, that character's name is Larry Fitzgibbon. Larry Fitzgibbon is named after a real guy named also Larry Fitzgibbon, who worked at Demand Media and was the guy who bought Cracked. No. This is because the real-life Larry Fitzgibbon, a tech uh, CEO and, and guy who I think like just company founder and whatever, um, he was a childhood best friends with James Gunn. Obviously, the Suicide Squad reboot guy and the Guardians of the Galaxy guy. But uh, he and Larry grew up together in St. Louis. And so in everything James Gunn makes, there's a character called Fitzgibbon or something similar to that. And that is all named after Larry Fitzgibbon. So in the early, early crack days in 2007, 2008, before James Gunn was directing giant budget blockbuster movies, we had a conference call with him where we talked about doing maybe doing videos for Cracked because he had a viral series of internet comedy oh, videos right. called I remember that. Porn Without Nudity or Porn Minus the Nudity. Um, and we wanted okay, to bring sure. him to Cracked or bring some version of Cracked. And then the show that we talked about in that conference call later became After Hours. And well, that's, right. gun was that's the end of the story. Of the... That's our six okay. degrees of separation. James from... Gunn invented after hours. <laughs> uh, I once met Gallagher at a corner store. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I I did though. <laughs> Just uh... <laughs> uh... <laughs> buying a sledgehammer, buying a wanky was... sledgehammer, buying a bunch, bunch of watermelons. Of bunch of watermelons. He was buying a tub of rice for this bit he used to do where he would, uh, he did a lot of racist jokes. I don't know if you know this about Gallagher. Oh, yeah. And he would, uh, instead of breaking the watermelon, sometimes he would break other things. And when he broke the tub of rice, he would scream, Chinese people. And that's real. And that happened. <laughs> that's the end of the joke. Yeah. That, sometimes again. you realize that like comedians aren't really comedians. They're just trying to express some sort of broken idea in their head. Yeah. And Gallagher was never trying to tell a joke. He's trying to explain how he feels about various ethnicities yeah. to the world with his watermelons and rice. Just a racist throwing temper tantrum. And we somehow thought it was we funny. Like fucking hilarious. For, for the youth who did not grow up in the 80s. Uh, and don't, don't Google. <laughs> explain Gallagher. Don't Google. Don't Google Gallagher. Just let's just move on. Because it, it's a very sad ending. He became like a very sad, bitter after people stopped laughing at his bit, he became right. like one of those right wing angry comedians and was there's like viral videos of him just getting mad at the audience on stage and the yeah. world passed him by. And it was very it was very depressing. He had a real enduring bit. He would he would do like a laffy taffy joke or sort of a wordplay joke. Like, why do you drive on the parkway and park on the driveway? And then he'd smash a watermelon, which is really the only way to end a joke like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is that is it's a good like punchline. Yeah, it's not like a funny punchline. It's more of a okay, I uh, sure. Huh. But Don't get me started because when I see 80s nostalgia stuff, again, I will say it every time, you have no idea how bad the 80s were. It, there was nothing cool <laughs> about it. I just take the stranger things stuff and shove it up your ass. If you weren't there, you have no idea how bad the 80s were. <laughs> Fuck those kids. <laughs> It was unfunny. Those pieces of shit. 
it was unfunny, racist. It was, yeah, it was terrible. Well, well that's a very cynical view on my favorite decade of pop culture, Jason. It and is, I 100% agree with it. It is. Yeah. The 80s are enjoyable when viewed at this distance. Yes. When you're, yeah, you're, you're 30 years, aesthetic. 35 years forward, ahead of it, fine. You can look back and enjoy RoboCop. <laughs> but RoboCop at the time was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be the world in like 18 months. Yeah, like we were, we, we didn't watch Red Dawn as like this amusing bit of culture. We were watching like, oh, okay, this is what we're going to have to do when the Russians invade next month. That's better, very true. Better take some notes. Oh, we did. All right, that and was it, most of my yeah, time. Yeah, we it, the the world is the way it is today because we grew up watching those movies. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, let's fight about who goes I'm next if we're mad. doing it by era. Yeah, I know. Every one of our podcasts make you mad in some way. I would say. (laughs) The only strong emotion I can still feel is anger. We work up to it. We'll get there. Uh, I'm putting Guardians of Justice on video. I'm putting that in about 1998. Okay, good. We're in the same, same space then. Yes, I would say Guardians of Justice was the sister series that never happened to knockoff superhero shit that happened in mid to late 90s right. like this is speaking of james gunn like the specials yeah like, this I is feel like, like black scorpion or or mantis okay yeah or nightman this is a very much a nightman show i was thinking it was more like people who like grew up with comic books and were just trying to make movies like um like mystery men and the specials and in that era of of movies where where people were trying to create new superhero IPs, but like not in a super creative way, I guess. That's the same era. Uh, believe it or not. Yeah, like, you're right. Nightman was, I think, 97. Like this all happened yeah. way later than you think. So, yeah. So are we doing uh, Guardians of Justice? Yeah, we're doing Guardians of Justice. Okay, good God. I feel okay. like there's a lot of listeners who are trying to think, because there's so many shows and properties that have titles similar to Guardians yeah, of Justice. It's so they don't generic. Know what this is yet. <laughs> that they're like, well, now which is which is this? Is this the thing with the owls? Which which what is this? <laughs> I, I'm telling you, this is something. <laughs> this is the one with the owls. <laughs> <laughs> I I had never heard of this in my life, and I struggled to get through the first episode. And yeah, I'm the first twelve minute episode was I so had, hard to get through. <laughs> I had to look up like who made this because I was afraid Mm -hmm. that I don't know how to put this politely. I was afraid that making fun of this would be punching down in a way. (laughs) I I don't know how like as a Make a Wish Foundation, some kid wanted to make his own show. Like, yeah, or something similar where it's like a bunch of fans. It's like a fun thing where some fans and some children got together, some teenagers, and they made this. And Netflix put it on as like a favor. It's like, see, it's it's inspiring, like a video game high school type thing. We weren't going to, but then there was that bus crash. So now, so what is the story with this? Because it like combines animation, a bunch of different styles of animation with live action, but the acting is like intentionally stilted. I think it's intentional. Uh, I don't know if it's it's intentional. It's very hard to get an idea on what they were going for, but the guardians of justice uh, parentheses will save you. I think it's the full title. It's a Netflix show. It just came out uh, recently uh, last month or two. And uh, it's kind of every idea that a pedestrian nerd brain would have like smashed into one thing. So it's a superhero show, but it's just like the justice league. 
Uh, and I can't think of anything more tired in all of pop culture than uh, recreating the Justice League. I can. And uh, it's doing this exact same Superman story again. Yeah. Again, yeah. There's nothing in this that's new. It's just kind of more of it. So uh, as Jason mentioned, there's just a lot of stuff. So it'll be like a uh, some superheroes doing some superhero stuff. And then it'll cut to like 8-bit animation. And then it'll cut to like a newscaster and there'll just be like weird titles and it'll cut to some other form of animation. It'll flashback and it'll be a whole new form of animation. And some of it's done in a way where you're like, okay, I think I get what they're going for. This is supposed to be like their 60s era Batman. And so they wanted it to look like 60s era animation. Uh, they usually are really wrong. Like the 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 way they speak in this uh, nerd language doesn't work. Um, God, it's, it's hard to describe this because it takes longer to describe than it did to make i got and... I, I can do it in one scene uh okay there's a scene where their superman analog the when i said they're doing this superman story again if you didn't immediately if your mind just auto completed that most people's did it's you know what if what if superman was was really haunted and like right. we lost superman or superman turned evil or whatever and, and then the world would have to in deal irredeemable with it in a way that was like well done and just like he put it to bed like don't don't try to top it yeah but and everybody's like yeah i want to do that story too like i just yeah. stop it uh but theirs is called marvelous man and he wears the cheesiest <sighs> muscle suit like hans and franz era muscle suit <laughs> right. so that uh, which is crazy it sets you off immediately because you're like is this the joke are we doing a joke and uh, i don't think we by are a wrestler right oh that's the batman guy uh, the Batman guy, but this the no marvelous man is is just some guy, and he uh he puts a he talks about you know how taunted he is trying to save everybody, but he can't save everybody, and so he puts a kryptonite bullet in a gun and shoots himself in the head, and then the the words fatality pops up on screen. Yeah. Like that's everything you need to know about but, the vibe of this show. But not like, but not like Mortal Kombat. It's obviously a Mortal Kombat reference, but it's just a silent non-Mortal Kombat font that pops up <clears throat> yeah. that makes the audience say, what? It doesn't say the words fatality, and it's not like timed like a joke. It slowly fades in and then yeah. lingers for a while and leaves. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like someone wrote that in the script, like fatality. And then whoever produced that or, or animated it didn't know what the reference was. And then you ended up with just some, just this random word fatality on the screen, uh, which again, is not... It's not like a great way to end a suicide scene, uh, but that's the tone of the show is like, hey, wouldn't it be funny if a guy killed himself uh, and we made a Mortal Kombat reference, but then ruined the Mortal Kombat reference and wait a second, maybe it's not funny when people kill themselves? Maybe it was never supposed to be funny? Uh, yeah. Like, and It's so wildly incompetent at like everything it tries to yeah, do. It's incredible. Uh, the creator is named Adi Shank Shankar and he's kind of a producer, a bunch of eclectic stuff. Like he did dread and the gray and like some stuff that is pretty big. And you're like, wait a second, is this guy like competent? But I looked into him and he's kind of like, um, the guy you'd call to like, uh, get foreign funding. So, you know, we talked about the Bruce Willis movies and all the people that are just making that shit where yeah. they, they, they fund the movie by selling it overseas and then just make the movie for less than what they already sold it for. Uh, he's like that kind of guy. And I found an interview with him where he's sort of explaining the process of that. And <laughs> he's fucking in like the crow makeup for the interview. Like he's totally like the rock star executive producer, but just a full on dork. 
like he's not pulling it off. It's not like, oh yeah, that that crow makeup really suits you with that leather jacket, pal. It's just like, what the fuck are you doing, you nerd? Uh, he also does a bunch of unauthorized movies of stuff that just immediately gets cease and desisted. Like he did Power Rangers and Judge Dredd and Punisher and 007. And he has like a like a whole bootleg universe that he does. And that's what he calls it. So he's like Pornhub, but without the ethics. And he's just, he's just shameless. He's just like, yeah, I'll just fucking make a Power Rangers thing. And they cease and desist. But like, fuck it, I don't care. Uh, so that's who this guy is. And then they just sort of gave him full creative control for this show. And he just made a pile of fucking garbage and it, it pisses me off so much because, um, God, how do I explain this? Like, it seems like high effort, like, Hey, let's have a bunch of like little eight bit shit pop up and text and graphics. And, and it, it feels high effort, but it's in fact much easier. It's much more of a shortcut than making a real show. Like for example, getting a character informed and motivated and from one location to another, is like a lot of work for the writer and the production. But this show, it's just like, here's the guy and it'll go like boss fight. And then it'll just cut to him fighting the boss. And then when they kill him, it'll be like fatality. And that's actually kind of easy to film and kind of easy to write. And I kind of hate it because this, these are things I, I do like in other contexts. Like I love in Desperado when Antonio Banderas calls his buddies and they all just sort of walk to the same spot. And then the bad guys drive up and they have a gunfight. I'm like, that's, kind of funny and awesome but like they earned that by having the rest of the movie I think it's be because this well one is kind of self-aware of it in a way There's... that that desperado was certainly self-aware of it but then they they were like no nah, but it's awesome and you realize that so we're gonna do it anyway right. and this one's like kind of trying to sh- sh- shrug it off as though it's sort of irony but doesn't also want to fully commit to irony it's it just seems yeah. very insecure it seems like you're not allowed 100%. to criticize me because I'm not really trying, but you're supposed to like it because I am really trying. And it's just this. It, yeah. Nothing comes off. Has some of the, the thing that made it difficult for me to finish. It wasn't even all of that, although that was much of it. <laughs> it's the the in, the comedy beats they tried to insert. So like they've yeah. got a bit where they've got an Aquaman character and then they, they make the joke about, well, what are you going to do? talk to some fish which is like the the first joke i I can honestly say i killed that joke 30 years ago like it's done just yeah sorry i ruined it but we're fucking done with that joke and like that's as far as they you know where is like you know the show the boys the incredible show the boys has their awkward character and they do a deep deep dive into the all of the weird insecurities that comes with being the somewhat useless member of the team and then his weird sexual relationship with fish and then his insecurities and all that. Uh, You know, it's like 800 more levels above this. And the reason that bugs me is because even if this show is made on a very limited budget and it looks like it really was, it looks real cheap. The writing is the one part that in theory is free. Like if you have someone who, Mm -hmm cares a lot about it. Like if you know a lot about comics and about the tropes and you want to deconstruct them and you take that upon yourself to make the show that really, this is my skewed version of comics. You, you need to be thinking on about it at a level higher than, well, what's, what's Aquaman going to do? Talk to some fish. And then, and then that's it. Like, that's the only joke. Like it just stops right there. And like the other characters chuckle and then that's your big punchline that just moves, it moves on. That's right. That's but you don't in 1997. 
when this takes place. In <laughs> 1997, true. this is as much as you needed to know because we you were not. Yeah, you were not right. a super nerd getting this show. You just you were like some little low budget studio getting the Fantastic Four, and you had to like look up Fantastic Four really quick on fucking Alta Vista or something, <laughs> <laughs> and then. And then just do a quick job of like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I'm fucking, I'm, I'm Mr. Fantastic. And then he's mild and that, this is our movie. And it's, What's, it's just that sensibility again of like slapdash, very surface level incompetence. What's great about it is like, we all sense how like surface level this is, but this dude thinks he is making high art. Like he thinks all of it's super deep. And even if it's a knockoff videos, he thinks he's like, you know, Oh, this! It, I'm taking a character and I'm exploring in a new direction, and um, it and he's he's obviously not like he. This is such a a sincerely retold sarcastic joke about cliches of bad art. Like it's just so many layers of not self aware while thinking it's self aware. I guess he's like he's like a blood poison drunk who genuinely thinks he's okay to drive. Like he, you're like no, buddy, <laughs> fucking fucking stop. <laughs> See, I, I read a 3,000, 4,000 word article on Polygon uh, hailing every dimension of this show in particular as a work no. of genius. No. Uh, and there were oh. many articles like that. There are genuinely people, uh, I want to say, so I don't know the particular writer, but they are employed at a site that I sometimes respect and read, uh, that think this is subversive and brilliant in Good every God. direction and will write 3000 words about how wonderful this is, including fawning interviews with the man himself. And I can also explain almost everything about him with this fact. <laughs> I learned uh, the very first person to talk to him and to sort of mentor him uh, about how to tell stories and navigate Hollywood was Todd McFarlane. Nice. That is, that is perfect. All makes sense. I found an article, uh, and it was on a website called winteriscoming.net. And the title was The Guardians of Justice on Netflix is a Masterpiece of Awesomeness. <laughs> and I thought that was so funny. I have a quote from that. Uh, he said, the writer said, when you set your story in a world on the brink of chaos, the doomer Gen Zer in me can't help but nod my head and go, truth. The show takes lots of these sorts of jabs at modern culture and hot dog. If all of them don't make me laugh. Loved it. Uh, the comments on the article did not agree. Uh, one guy said this Richard guy should never write anything ever again in his life, especially if he thinks this garbage is good. And then someone responded to that named DF Stiff. And he said, I think the people saying the show is terrible aren't picking up that it's mostly satire. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, that's so what that's, I'm saying, that irony defense. I, yes. Yes. They're, they're, there's this, this free pass that people will give it. If it's like, no, see, they know it sucks. And uh, anyway, I love it. The same writer uh, also wrote an article, you'll love this, entitled Peacemaker is a humorless, confused mess of a superhero show. So that's just to calibrate that dude's taste. Okay, I really liked Peacemaker, but how do you not get, how are, how are you not get Peacemaker? How are you confused by yeah, that Yeah, what's show? confusing and unfunny? Like, it's, What was the name of that website? Uh, Winteriscoming.net. Okay. I didn't click around. I, I don't. I don't think it was like a. See now, I'm worried that we're like punch- a Bangladeshi clip. Com- yeah. clip farm or anything. I'm worried that we're punching down here. Maybe this website was like the last wish of a dying child. 
<laughs> that, that could be. That could be. Uh, if that turns out to be the case, we'll cut. We'll cut all this. Uh, but I do that, get that feeling in winter because when I go out in winter, like I get this feeling in my body, the sen sensation. It just feels fantastic when oh, the yes. winter is coming because it's like it's. I get the feeling of coming in winter. I get the feeling of coming when there's snow on the ground. And I, now I feel bad that I set you up for the joke and kept talking without even seeing it coming. You're like, what's the name of the website? I'm like, oh, he must have just not heard me. I'm, I fucking blew it. I'm a, I'm a bad improv partner. <laughs> All right, that's. See, the, I, I hated, I hated the Guardian of Justice so much. Yeah. Anyway, did uh, you watch the whole was, season? We, uh, Brockway, no. did, did you just watch the first episode like me, or have you seen? The oh, whole I thing? barely got through the, the first episode, and then I looked back and I was like, that was 20 minutes. Yeah, it like, felt. I, it, very it felt so much longer. The only good thing I will say about it, and I will say one good thing. Is that Nighthawk, their black man, their black man, their their Batman, <laughs> their black man analog. No, their Batman analog, Nighthawk, is played by uh, Diamond Dallas Page, which I love mm -hmm. because he acts exactly like he instructs his yoga videos. Like the <laughs> right. same cadence, the same speech. So he's like ordering around the rest of the Justice League, like, Black Bow, you got to save Canada and speed. You need to fight a tornado now everybody feel that good stretch all the way down your good back stretch. and hulk it up tension <laughs> okay and the, here's the thing it, there are scenes with that character where i i had to look up who it is because obviously he's a big muscle guy but i had to look up who mm -hmm. it is because he was speaking very like deadpan and robotically like and, he instructs right. his yoga videos. Okay, yes. but if you didn't know any better, you'd say, "Oh well, it's it's because he's a wrestler; he can't act." Uh, and yeah. um, no, I'm sorry, that's not how it works. Wrestlers, of all the things they are, deadpan is not one of them. Like Agreed. wrestlers can act; that they are actors, they are performers. That's it's not like you cast you know an NFL linebacker and it's like, oh, he didn't know how to act. But pro wrestlers, I I don't follow. I don't know what he what his character was, if he was a heel or whatever in wrestling, either of you guys, big wrestling guys. I, I remember watching him. He was usually a good guy. If yeah, I enough to know okay. Diamond Dallas Page for sure. He was a big, I, I assume a big he name. did not have like a, a dead personality, right? Like wrestlers are not known for their subtlety or whatever. They're not, they don't just, they're not like <laughs> stiffs. They're, they're big over the top personalities, yeah, right? He was, yeah, he was closer to like a real dude than most, I guess he wasn't, a total but maniac. Also, but all you're right. he's done. He's more deadpan here than he ever was. For the last like 25 years or so, all he's done is instruct endless yoga classes where he gives instructions to people in this voice. So he's just he's just doing that. If he <laughs> he hasn't done wrestling shit in forever, but he's done I okay. want to say millions of hours of this. I don't think he can escape it. I think this is how he talks now. I think oh, okay. in every interaction, he is a yoga instructor. That's a death sentence for an actor. <laughs> One million hours of yoga. You can't get out of it. I uh, I watched a second episode of it, and he did like a lawnmower man thing where he like put his brain, his face into cyberspace. And uh, and I guess they had to hold his head really still for the for the camera work, for the special effect. And so it's even more deadpan, but he's like, oh, I'm in cyberspace. But it's it's hard to describe how like fucking terrible it was. And I, I knew the show was bad and it wasn't just me because uh, I made fun of it for 40 straight minutes and my wife didn't care. She normally fucking hates it when I do that. And uh, she was just completely allowing it. And I'm like, oh, wow, this must be genuinely bad and not not my personal opinion. 
Because she likes a lot of bad stuff. I mean, I love her, but like she, we do not have the same taste and stuff. So normally if if she's watching something and I'm talking, I could sort of feel her getting more and more annoyed. And then she'll let out a sigh. And then finally she'll pause it. And I'm like, okay, fuck it. I'll go, I'll go do something else. <laughs> All right. Well, now I'm officially in trouble. That's fine. I was just so fucking pissed at Guardians of Justice because I sort of I feel like I should have loved it. Uh, yeah, I feel that I way about I, Daybreak. That's exactly yeah. the point, though, because there is a an era when this would have come out when I think all of the flaws would have been ignored. Right. And all, everything would have been like, oh, my gosh, it's so inventive. And they've the, like mixing the animation styles and the way they they, right. they mock the, you know, the old low budget superhero stuff and the bad dialogue is just, you know, oh, it's it's really deconstructing, but it's like a deconstruction that's coming 25 years too late. It's right. And I, I guess like Scott Pilgrim sort of did a bunch of like random eight bit flair and, uh, and that was fine. Like I, I felt like they earned it. And they had you know, an extremely little... consistent look and like yeah. that it establishes in a rhythm that it establishes. It wasn't just sure. a bunch of, and then the, the, the parts in between were, Mm-hmm. We're good is the thing is the is yeah. the difference. I just feel like I, I speak this nerd language and the Guardians of Justice like wasn't it like it was just fucking nerd gibberish. And so it's like trying to speak this language that I actually really enjoy and just like saying nothing in it. And uh, actually I had um, I was writing a zombie movie with uh, my old writing partner uh, and it was, it was like I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. And I remember I had a lot of these instincts. I'm like, hey, why don't we do just a bunch of like like random shit. Like why don't when, when these two guys are fighting, why don't we have some health bars show up on the screen? And he just was like, dude, that fucking sucks. I'm like, <laughs> and I was like really fighting for it. Like, no, I think it could work. And I would like, and like the second I sat down to like mechanically write it out and, you know, storyboard it and picture it. I was like, you're right. This fucking sucks. But like, <laughs> well, my instinct was let's just do so- a whole bunch of stuff like that. And uh, I guess, you know, God bless him. He he knew instantly that that was a bad instinct, but and knew that twenty five years ago when that's true. When this it should took me have been a couple made. of steps, but yeah, I, I honestly think that he should have gotten there at some point in the creative process. Like maybe doing eight bit animation here pointlessly isn't doesn't help anything. It, well, it, it sounds feels- like he produced it and I guess directed and wrote it. It sounds like I think so, yeah. there wasn't really anybody to tell him no, which is... He did need a voice of reason. Which is... But anyway, we can move on to the next <clears throat> thing. I, I just... Okay. Oh, I well, the next... So much. <laughs> the next thing, now that... <laughs> now that both you <laughs> and Jason are very angry... <laughs> <laughs> now we'll do your fucking show, Brockway. <laughs> Let's talk about my fun. I brought Daybreak. Uh, you'll never believe this. Kind of deconstructing the zombie genre. Like, kind of having like a fun take on the zombie genre. And uh, this was made, I think, last year. So very recent. Way, way, way beyond the expiration date of zombie shit in general. But yeah. also specifically, like, we're going to play with the zombie stuff. And uh, the central conceit of this show is that the apocalypse happened and it's kind of a wacky apocalypse and zombies and zombies are everywhere. And it's just really fun. Like the, the main guy is just having a really great time. And, uh, 
they really thought that was kind of relevant in, I guess, 2020, I want to say 2021, maybe uh, that just uh, a white guy who has it all is having a great time when everybody else is dying and being murdered. And uh, the way they- I took it, the, I took it as like, hi, audience, I'm your surrogate looking right at you into camera and saying I was ordinary in the regular world, just like you. But now I'm super awesome in the apocalypse, just like you would be the viewer. Like that's that's how I took it. I think yeah. it's almost word for word the first ten. He minutes says that shit. It's very much uh, a reference to well, Ferris Bueller first of all, but it also it feels more like a reference to Zach Morris. The way he's like just mm-hmm. kind of an unpleasant dick that has everything. Right. And uh, even he says, like, I was just a regular guy. Nobody paid attention to me. I just had like the hottest girl in school who loved me. And like I skateboarded everywhere and everybody thought I was the coolest. But, you know, just a normal dude. Just a normal dude. And it literally has Matthew Broderick in a role as the school's principal. Yeah, so I think it is straight up Ferris Bueller. Yeah, they even did the Ben Stein roll call bit. I feel like it's more Zach Morris in execution. I don't know that they were going for that specifically. But to me, it, when it I think sucks, back, whichever on it, one it, it is, well, that's what I think. It's Zach Morris is like Saved by the Bell was influential to me, of course. But looking back on it, I feel like Saved by the Bell, Zach Morris was just like somebody that didn't get why we liked Ferris Bueller trying to do the same thing. Like, we'll just do that same sure. thing where he talks to the camera, only he's not cool and aloof and like maybe has problems. He's just a piece of shit, like just a raging piece of shit that has everything and you're supposed to still like him. Yeah, I guess that well, was Ferris Bueller. That was but it was the 80s. That was so Zach like, Morris doing we Ferris Bueller. Yeah, sure. This show I found more painful to finish than the Guardians of the. What was it called? Jesus Christ! I have to go <laughs> Just, look that up. <laughs> Guardians, that's shocking. Guardians of the Owl Forest. I've never hated anything <laughs> like Guardians of Justice, and this was like obviously very annoying, but yeah. No, this is this is something that I think is specific to me, which is a grown-up middle-aged man trying to write teenagers. Yes. Oh yeah. And Definitely. not setting it in 80s, 90s. So it is and I looked it up. There's a co-writers on the first episode, ages 48, a year older than me, and 43. Mm-hmm. And they're yeah. writing teenager, high school teenager dialogue. And I have a specific, I don't know, it, it, it's like a nerve that gets triggered by anything in the Joss Whedon style of writing that everyone loved in whatever era this show would have thrived in. Which I think is early 2000s. Yeah. Which prime Joss Whedon era, like Buffy was certainly late 90s came about, but I think when everybody else was like jumping on that dick uh, was... Was like 2002, 2003. Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. but without the charm kind of era. And it um, amazes me that we tried this again with those same guys making like, like there's a reference in here where they cut to like a band playing and they're playing Smashing Pumpkins. Like the kids that this ostensibly is for don't have any fucking idea what that is. But you're like, yeah, that's what the cool kids still listen to. Yeah, these are <laughs> these are characters who were born in 2005, 2006, born. Yeah. They were not consciously aware of the world until 2010, 2011 and were not, you know, like getting into their own pop culture and until like, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017, you know, it, it, like they whatever their taste would be, 
it would not be stuff from whenever before they were born, but that all of the references, all of the sensibilities are very much those of a 48 year old writer. Mm-hmm. And there is something that comes through when a middle-aged writer, because writers of, of TV shows and, and all things usually were not like the prom king. I realize that doesn't represent everyone, but it, you can tell when they try to rewrite their high school years, they do it in a way that is hard to watch. <clears throat> Because you can see them like filling in the insecurities and either the, the person they wish they had been back then or the way they imagine like what they would be if they were in high school now or something or like, I don't know, there's something about it that is, I get like secondhand embarrassment from watching it. Very much so. Yeah, this is, this is Here's something tough that to get really through. bothered me about this was that um, you mentioned that the writers are middle-aged and I think that comes through the most when, whenever there's a scene with more than one person, the dialogue will eventually get to the point where one person is policing the wokeness of another character and then they're like yes. pushing back. And so like, I want to call you a bitch, but we don't use that word to describe women anymore. But you know, gender's a construct anyway, fart sound. It's just like this, yeah. this grandpa observation to think that kids spend 80% of their time like policing each other's language. Cause to um, a 48 year old, that's what you think. It's kid, like. that's what it seems like kids talk like you're right. Yeah. Like that's your interaction with children. It's like, wow, we didn't, we were actually much cooler than you when I was. It winds up being done in such a way that says nothing about it. Like, yes, you say nothing about it, but it's also it somehow becomes offensive that you're just like, Hey, uh, the fucking gender is a construct, huh? And then pause. Yeah. Go, okay. Like, isn't that funny? Isn't that funny that people say stuff like that? Anyway, we're all teens. <laughs> I feel like we anyway, we're all teens. IRL is like how the star wipe of this show. Between <laughs> scenes, it should just anyway. We're all teens, and then the next show. Yeah. Now here, I got this thing where, uh, especially when I was younger, I had like this hard rule in my personal life and my writing to never use cliches. I hated them. I hated people to describe things in like uh, prepackaged collection of words or shorthand jokes. So things like cheap insults and most slang and all the cute phrases that are kind of descriptive, but mostly they're, they're uh, subtle cultural signifiers. Like you, you say, um, like you might say cringe and you're not, there's a better way to describe that, but you're sort of saying here, I'm the type of person who says that word. I always became very hyper aware of them. And so I, I, I hated them. I'm not like it so much anymore, but anyway, but if like a character says something like totes adorbs, I get just fucking pissed off. Like, there's a better way you could have said that. Or awesome sauce, um, which they also awesome say sauce. in this. Yeah, you can go fuck yourself. So, so <laughs> it's like that could have been something unique or funny, and now it's sloppy code for an idea that will age into gibberish. And that's this show. This show has like already aged into gibberish, and it just came out. And so, uh, this thing I had against cliches um, that I'm always constantly bothered by shit. Uh, that it wouldn't occur to other people to be bothered by. And so uh, I guess in many ways I was like a cranky old man at age 19, but it helped me uh, develop a unique voice, I guess. And that's something this fucking show wouldn't even consider a virtue. If you told the showrunner, hey, wow, you made Ferris Bueller's Day Apocalypse and nothing else, they'd be like, wow, that's the highest compliment I could have expected. And uh, I guess that's what pisses me off the most about this show is it's so desperate to think of itself as special and to try to make the viewer think, Hey, you're like one of the special ones when the only thing they can 
come up with for being unique or special is just not quite fitting into a group. It's like that YA novel of like, oh, I, I'm not a jock or a nerd. What could I be? I'm maybe the most unique person that's ever been because like I have a third hobby. <laughs> and, and I guess that's, it's just so much of that. Um, anyway, I, I guess I've made well, my point. Let me, let me give you a little grounding this for is what a, this show is a about. pedestrian person's idea of what being unique must be. Before we destroy it on every level, <laughs> this show. All right, the show is about the bombs dropped uh, in, in LA, and it, I think it's supposed to have killed all of the adults or turned them into right. zombies. There's which, zombies. of course, here's a clever little spin on on how they're zombies. They say like yeah. really banal adult shit, like how they want to go shop at the mall, right? I and want a vanilla latte. I want the vanilla yeah, latte. If you think about it, nailed it. Aren't consumers already zombies? Oh, fuck. Oh I had a whole bit like going into... Someone called George Romero in 1973 and give him right. this idea. <laughs> so, but it left all the teens alive. And the teens, uh, they turned all of their cliques in high school into territories and societies that live in them. So here's what the, I guess, 48-year-old man thinks the, <laughs> <laughs> the teens are all about. Uh, there's the 4-H club, the stem punks, the jocks. There's the cheermazons and the disciples of Kardashia. Oof. God, that hurts to say. Uh, that yeah, one's that's really rough. That's what he thinks the teens are all about today. That's the most grandpa shit. Like, just hand that to your niece for a fucking quick polish and let her say, <laughs> fucking uncle, this, this is some, the Kardashian one has to go. <laughs> the disciples of Kardashia. Uh, the listing off more clicks to identify like how everybody's, you know, special in their own way in the high school scene. These aren't communities yet, but in the high school, there are creepy pasta eaters, competitive fidget spinners. Of course, there's the meowsters. Uh, we got I the, forgot about that. we got the e-sportos. Uh, that's what you call them. One student, he self-identifies his gender as a seahorse. Mm-hmm. What? And like just, just saying it, it it's so much. That worse character thing. called herself a human sorting hat. Yeah, in that she could put people into the categories, uh, and that's because that's, that's a what, virtue. Not like you, viewer. Yeah, not like me, the main character. Oh, because I I couldn't get sorted, and that was like the whole thing where she's like, I don't know where to put you. Oh my god, what a unique. Yeah, she fell in love. She said, "You're be. challenging, Josh Wheeler, and I do like a challenge." This is this is like an average height, nothing white guy without a lot of charm whose personality is a skateboard. And she's like, oh, God, instantly in love. Uh, nobody's like you. Yeah, your thoughts are unique, especially uh, not in 2003 when you should have written the show. There's a fucking ill-defined hobbies and skateboard is one of those clicks. That's a fucking high school click. Yeah, You're right. Yeah, the, the people who think their thoughts are unique. That's there you go. You're think, in this group. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> another uh, thing I liked was how uh, all of the cool guys in this show are weebs. Uh, they are all into katanas and like katanas are so cool and they all want to talk <laughs> about true. it. The skateboard guy is all into them and knows all about katanas uh-huh. and where they come from. But also like the jock uh, is super into katanas and makes references to Jim Kata. Again, he's supposed to be. 16 in 2020 and all of the all of his people all everybody around him knows jim kata everybody is like dude 
don't talk about Jim Cotta anymore. Like everybody just knows this specifically as well as the, the whole Katana thing. So that's clearly a Jim Cotta reference. He, yeah. He specifically says, wow. He specifically says he starts listing off like the actors and, and shit in Jim Cotta. And somebody else is like, Oh, we get it. Jim Cotta. like fucking, you know how the teens are always talking about Jim Cotta. I'm just at a loss as to, to talk about this fucking aging weeb shit, Mary Sue thing and then of course after the apocalypse that jock turns into uh i'm just gonna say bruce leroy from the last dragon which was an offensive move back then right (laughs) to have him kind of doing like an asian accent and be into like samurai shit and talking about how he follows the bushido code while also uh he he basically reasons out something and he refers to it as sherlock and popping uh, oh shit! You're right. God, this is bringing back so many painful memories of the show yeah, I just I, watched last night. I worry that you blanked out on just how obnoxious <laughs> this is, and, and 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 every time one of these things happen, you're not even allowed to sit there and hate it because the main character turns to the screen with his fucking DreamWorks smirk face, and it's like yeah. freeze frame. Let me explain what just happened here. I just yeah, that meta stuff is it's really obnoxious. Uh, there was mo- one moment I was like, okay, I want to put in my notes that I sort of like that where he goes back to the same flashback again, like earlier than it was last time. And then he just looks at the camera and shrugs like, I don't fucking know. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. I think I liked that. I think I liked <laughs> that that the guy in the show who keeps looking at me is like, I don't really know what happened here either, buddy. It's like, it's like, give him a point for that. Slipped one good idea in here. <laughs> It doesn't help that I believe the episode was uh, 183 minutes long. Yes. It, it felt it, like uh, it went on for... It felt, yeah, it felt like it went on forever. It, yeah, 257 I, minutes, somewhere around that, if I had to estimate. I'm not going to go look it up. It was... I think it's still playing somewhere <laughs> on my device. Yeah. It feels... It, I know it has a lot of ground to cover because it's got to establish... Uh, it's got to establish a premise that could have been conveyed in one montage as in like Zombieland did. Um, <laughs> it, it, right. Here's the thing. The it, much better version of this that already exists. Uh, right. And, uh, that existed like 12 years ago. Wasn't that right. literally like 2010, something like yeah. that? Yeah, it's something like that. Uh, here's the thing that I think Felix should be explained. We on here talk very often about movies that are objectively bad that we enjoyed watching even though they're terrible in every possible way. Mm-hmm. It, to be clear, a bad action movie or a bad drama can be enjoyable. A bad comedy is rough mm-hmm. for reasons that I don't know that I could necessarily put my finger on. Um, Cause I can't like enjoy this in the way that I would enjoy like an incompetently made action movie. Like, I, I can't, I can't get there. Well, when you miss like serious, you hit funny. And if you miss funny, you hit cute. And if you're too obnoxious for cute, you hit like contemptuous. <laughs> and like, that's where this is. Every once in a while, Sean will propose, cause you do this, you, you do this. Like I want to make fun of a bad comedy and I have to be like, <laughs> It's their heart. Do I feel 
like torturing myself this week? Do I feel like torturing <laughs> myself for hours? It's the hardest goddamn thing to do. Yeah. It's just hard to watch. It makes me feel unpleasant. But then to try to make to try to make jokes about it is literally the highest difficulty in comedy. Yeah. And uh, you know, we can do it. We have done it, and it's turned out fine. Oh but it, yeah. it's just it's so tough. It's so much effort. But like to the turn boomer into entertainment. fucking missed jokes in this. Like there are actual Beavis gags in this. In the first episode, there's at least two where someone will say a word and another character will go like, huh, bone, huh, rear. Like two different characters do that, which is, that's just a Beavis joke. And I, I just don't feel like uh, a 16 year old would know who that was. Yeah, I'm not sure today. if it's worse when he uses like references. Like again, they, the jock, the jocks are road warriors in this new future and they have right. set up American Idol Ninja where you have to sing and if he doesn't like it you get fed to the zombies and they're performing to the Smashing, Smashing Pumpkins, Pumpkins and every single teen uh, knows all the words is nodding along is totally moved by it until he like sings poorly so like all teenagers love this never occurs to him that anybody moved on from 1996 or whenever he was a teenager kids love Billy Corgan uh, oh hey let's stop the podcast for one second and everyone google uh, Billy Corgan <laughs> Little Train <laughs> Billy Corgan, <laughs> Little Train? <laughs> I love that I got you into loud keyboards uh, so that everybody can hear us actually Googling. Am I looking for a photo? Oh, yeah, there it yeah. is. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I don't know how to, to explain this other than it's Billy Corgan on a little train, uh, <laughs> frowning completely and having... I'm, I'm, it looks like he's maybe crying on his birthday. Like maybe uh, he he's having so a bad sad. birthday. Like he knows someone's taking a picture of him and how it's going to look. Uh, the first meme I saw, it says, despite all my fame, I'm still just a man on a train. <laughs> <laughs> Another one just says, today is the greatest day I've ever known. Oh, I'm, I'm glad we did that. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yep, all teens, all teens love that guy. He's their favorite. <laughs> he's this weird old man on a... Anyway, what I was what I was saying was I'm not sure if it's worse when he assumes all of the teens are in love with everything that a 48 year old man is in love with, right? Or when he tries to like talk to them on their level because they're they're following him around at one point uh, to a couple of like his side characters, and he he's a loner. He's so cool. He doesn't want to be followed around. He turns around and he says, "Both of you unsubscribe." Because that's that's how the teens talk. I'm not sure how if that's do worse, you do, fellow kids, than the Smashing Pumpkins thing. But I am sure he gets it wrong in both directions, of trying to appeal to the teens and not trying to appeal to the teens. I uh, I I promise you, anytime this guy goes near a mall, he's under arrest. Somebody just calls yeah. the cops on him, even if he's not doing anything. Just there was a moment I uh, Matthew Broderick came in. He's like, I play as Sobra in Overwatch. <laughs> which I thought was um, almost good because you'd think he would have come in and, and, and said, I main Sobra in Overwatch, which is technically how you would say that, but like not how someone would actually talk. But I feel like that would have been the, the bridge too far where you're like, okay, buddy, stop trying to talk like a kid. Whereas I almost felt like that's how Matthew Broderick would tell someone he played Overwatch, just getting it a little bit wrong. It's all, yeah, because in the show he's he's a middle aged man, right? He he was you know he was Ferris Bueller in nineteen eighty five or whatever year that movie came out, 
Mm -hmm. It's so him trying as a principal, trying to relate to kids like that's, that's a character that this writer can write. And he's, he's doing it just a little bit wrong, but he's trying to, you know, he's making a sincere effort, but trying to put words into the mouths of modern kids is. It was real bad. Or building even worse. Imagine if he tried to build an entire world out of specifically the culture of children today. Yes. (laughs) An entire fantasy world. What a terrible disaster that would be. Uh, Another character trait I really liked about the main guy was that he had a box of post-it notes that he called his mom because he never saw his mom. And so their relationship was based around the little post-it notes she left him. And I thought that was just the the saddest fucking thing. Like that's the first thing he showed his girlfriend when she came over is like, oh, this box of post-it notes is my mom. It's just like, yeah, pick up some milk, call your grandma. And uh, I felt like it was another one of those like really heavy handed where, hi, audience, you're a latchkey kid too. Just like me, you don't quite fit in anywhere. Aren't we so unique? Like it just, it, it felt so, God, I don't fucking and that's know. Why, like, and that's why we so skateboard, cheap. right? And that's why we yeah. skateboard and you smoke You and me. Weed. That's why we're the best. That's why no one will ever understand us. Except for the Smashing Pumpkins. <laughs> Billy Corgan and his tiny train, he gets us. Oh, so at the end, there's like this super road warrior guy that like had little kids in cages that would patrol around the mall. And he like takes off his helmet and it cuts to the main guy. And he's like, oh, I guess everything is blah, blah. You can't be ready for anything. Um, But there's only two characters that weren't accounted for. And it was his mom and Matthew Broderick. So uh, do you know who, which one it was? Uh, I think it was Matthew Broderick. Okay. I only, I didn't watch past the first episode. I did not watch much past it. I let it play uh, because it auto plays after a little bit. And I was like, all right, I'll see who that is. And uh, what they did at the start of the next episode is he freeze frame, look to the camera and explain, don't you hate it when they do that hacky reveal of like, I'm going to reveal who the mystery character is. And then they cut away just to get to watch the start of the next episode. We're not going to do that. Are we going to do that? We're going to do that. And then they did that. And I was like, all right, fuck you. I I don't need to know. So I'm going to assume it was Matthew Broderick. Or maybe his girlfriend. Yeah, I figured that. Could have been. It's one of those three people for sure. Three. Probably either Matthew Broderick, the girlfriend, because his mom, like, I literally, I, I literally, let's let's explain this. I could not be more literal. I am getting paid to give a shit about this, and I don't. You cannot pay me to give a shit about this. Yeah, I've never been less curious about something in my entire life. Anyway, if if anybody decides to go and look it up, don't tell me. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. okay <laughs> uh, so that your show, so you did say the show was immediately canceled right like they realized it yeah the, it's, the vibes it's were dark. off and and that didn't it just didn't it's work. like it's one of those things where like they made this in their own little department and then they showed it to the rest of netflix by debuting it on netflix and somebody else was just like what the fuck are you doing what is this <laughs> this is the worst thing i've ever no of course it's canceled <laughs> I thought this uh, aside from the dialogue and I mean, most of the kids can't act like it did sort of feel competent, like especially special budget. Well, right. And I feel like the structure wasn't too bad. Like I was like, it's like beat for beat. I'm like, okay, this is, it's moving. It, it felt way too long, but I think that was just cause I hated every moment of, of dialogue. Uh, there was a scene where it all fell apart for me, where the bad guys showed up and they're like, we're going to kill you. And this is a world where, people kill each other 
But then they started throwing like corn syrup on everyone. They had like water balloons filled with corn syrup and they like got them all like sticky. And I was like, what the fuck? This doesn't, this was is blood. New, even in this universe. They spelled out in was, earlier that he has a fridge okay. full of blood. Apparently 800 and that gallons summons of the zombies. And that summons the zombies. Okay. I had no fucking idea what was going on. Because then the zombies did show up and one of them bit somebody, but then that was it. Then they just left because they're, they're zombies. They're, they're not even a threat. Yeah, I never knows what the tone is. Like, are we wacky and having fun or do people die sometimes? Like, they blew up a guy with a rocket launcher, but also they just like, it was like Looney Tunes rocket launcher. He was yeah. just gone. Yeah, he was he disintegrated. There was no blood mist or anything. But then the, the zombie jumped on that guy and ripped his throat out. You saw that. So you're like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. So And then they like did, a, they tagged him. Like the text appeared on the screen and like, rest in peace, Terry, or whatever. Like, haha, isn't that cute? Wry little goddamn, I hate him so much. Yeah, it's real rough. Then they did the fight club bit where he's walking through the house and they added like price tags to everything. Yeah, this uh, is, uh, it's just every sensibility of somebody that probably shouldn't have even written this in 2005, but it took them this many years to get to a place in their career where they could finally write their dream project. And it turned out it was this. Yeah, I, I could see this being a dream, like a, a, a high schooler, the most it, special high school in the world fighting zombies. Like I, I could see that being my dream movie when I was a child. And even then, like I, there were problems with it structurally and from the premise stage. But if I was the right kind of high and a movie executive and the right age and you said like, <laughs> what, what if like Ferris Bueller fights zombies? I would have been like, all right. I mean, that's something I'm listening. Like, let's let's sure. talk about how we can, like, deconstruct it or do something meaningful with it. And uh, they never got to that stage in the conversation. They were just like, yeah, what it's... a Ferris Bueller, but zombies. The end. That's all I'm interested in. The end. Well, you've probably seen Escape from L.A. And they sort of did a bit where all of the uh, archetypes of, like, L.A. people got turned into gangs. So there's, like, a, a plastic surgery gang and a, and a fucking, I, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I really liked that. I thought that was f- fun, but John Carpenter can always hit that like I don't give a fuck sweet spot. And uh, this show did not. This show seemed to f- genuinely want to be cool and interesting, <laughs> and and much like appealing to the teens, it failed on every front. <laughs> Part of it is, I guess, sitting here, I'm thinking about it as we go through and and cite our 300 least favorite things in this episode. <clears throat> I guess that's the issue with comedy is because, you know, as people who have written comedy, the jokes have to come at a certain interval. Like you, you don't have too many serious lines in a row. There's got to be a comedy beat. If you're punching up a script, like the first thing you're going to say is like, okay, there's got to be a punchline here. So if there, if that tone is off, it comes so fast and so hard. Like the moments that make you flinch. (laughs) uh, It's so dense with that stuff is the thing. That's, yeah. Right. Because like some some bad movies are just boring or or whatever. But here, like if you you find these jokes or their style of talking, if you find it grating, you're going to get that sensation every 15 seconds. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is an absolute assault on what I hold dear, on everything that I hold dear. <laughs> Still, though, well, uh, we... people, listeners, you check, it out. check it out. Yeah, check it out. See if you see if you disagree. <laughs> uh, like and comment. Sub- subscribe if you think we're wrong. Um, you know, we we respect we respect all all engagement is good engagement. 
um, Guardians, Owls of Gahul. It was the other one, and uh, yeah, that's great. The Jack, I would Jack love to Reacher meet hour like was. That show. I could talk to somebody about Jack Reacher. If you tried to talk to me about Guardians of Justice for one more second, I will fuck you up, Jack Reacher style, though. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. It's a podcast canal. Und mit maximalen Schau. Doc Frankfurt podcast. Correct. Mike Ditka here, a Grabowski is a kid who isn't the fair-haired kid on the block because everybody wants to be that kid, that's a smith. And a Grabowski has to, is a bad guy a little bit, but not a bad guy, a Grabowski has to work a little bit harder, it's the American dream. Here are the most supreme Grabowskis I know, Three Finger Louie Grabowski, Aaron Croston is one hell of a Grabowski, Adrian H. Grabowski, the H stands for Grabowski, Aiden Moet Grabowski, Alpha Scientist Javo Grabowski, Andreas Larson is so Grabowski it has become a problem with friends and loved ones. Armando Nava Grabowski. Benjamin Cyronin Grabowski. Bim Talzer Grabowski. Brandon Garlock Grabowski. Brian Saylor Grabowski. Brianne Whitney Grabowski. Brockway Loves the Meat Millie Grabowski Jr. Cyril the Grab Grabowski. Rev Grabowski the Grabowski Mechanic. Chase McPherson Grabowski. Chris Brower the Power Grabowski. Curious Glare Grabowski, Dan B, a Grabowski tonight, Dean Costello Grabowski, Donald Finney Grabowski, Dr. Awkward Grabowski, my family doctor and personal Grabowski, Eric Spalding Grabowski, Fancy Shark Grabowski, Jellaho Grabowski, Hambone Grabowski, Haraka Grabowski, Hot Fart Grabowski, a Grabowski's kind of a fart in an elevator of society, you know? Jaber L. Aiden Grabowski, John Dean Grabowski, John McCammon Grabowski, John Minkoff Grabowski, the Grabowski Weapons Master, Josh S. Grabowski, Ken Paisley Grabowski, K&M Grabowski, and that stands for Killer New Motherfather Grabowski. A Grabowski doesn't swear, but he lets you know when he wanted to. Laziest Man on Mars Grabowski, the hardest working Grabowski. Mark Grabowski, the laziest Grabowski. Matt Riley Grabowski, Michael Lair Grabowski, and Michael Wells Grabowski. We call them the Mike Grabowski brothers. They are not brothers. Mike Styles Grabowski, Moju Grabowski, N.D. Grabowski, and that stands for No Duh Grabowski. They're the Sassy Grabowski. Neil Bailey Grabowski, Neil Schaefer Grabowski, Nick Ralston Grabowski, Nick H. Grabowski, and the H stands for Grabowski again. Ozzy Olin Grabowski, Patrick Herbst Grabowski, Rain Vargas Grabowski, the Grabowskiest Grabowski, Rhiannon Grabowski, Rich Joslin Grabowski, Sarkovsky Grabowski, who was already part Grabowski, the ski park, Toasty God Grabowski, Tom Sakula Grabowski, Tommy G Grabowski, and the G stands for Good, Yossarian Grabowski, and Timmy Leahy. Smith.
You know what that means, Grabowskis. This man is a natural-born enemy of Grabowskis everywhere. I declare a Grabowski holy war. Every true and faithful Grabowski must pick up axe and flame and take to the streets to- No, get off me. No corner of this earth can be rendered safe for a smith or I will not think this through. I have justice on my side. You can't silence the Grabowskis. We are Legion. We are Grabowski. We will have our revenge.